Welcome to Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast, episode 117. I am not Joel Penfield. I am co-host Philip Slavin. Joel is out this week uh, consummating his wedding vows with his new bride. Is that a little inappropriate? No, not right. Uh, yeah, that's some new music. Did it throw you all for a loop? I really want to see the faces of everyone who turned on the podcast and went, what, what, am I listening to the right thing? It's so much fun being in charge of things. All right, we'll go back to normal next week. I'm just trying to try some new things. I got to mix things up, you know. It's this is This is a new show, new host. It's not what it used to be. All right. I'm getting off track. Don't worry, it's not me rambling for 40 minutes. I have two fantastic guests. First up, Michaela Barker, Oklahoma State alum, currently working for Yahoo Sports in their social media department. She's going to come on the show, talk about what it's like to work at Yahoo, talk about her time as the SID for the men's tennis program, talk a little bit of basketball and Mike Boynton's hiring. Got a lot of really interesting stuff from a unique Oklahoma State perspective that I'm very excited to have on the show. After that, Corey Evans from Rivals joins the show. We recorded this interview on Wednesday, so it's going to be a little bit dated, but basically he's going to come on and talk about Isaac Likely, the Oklahoma State point guard who is now part of the U.S. under-19 team to go take part in the World Cup. We know that Likely is part of the roster now, the 12-man roster. We recorded this on Wednesday before we knew. It's still an awesome interview. He has a lot of great stuff to say about Likely. He also has some really interesting things to say about five-star class of 2020 point guard Cade Cunningham. Oklahoma State fans are going to want to hear this. So with with all that said, you know what, let's just get to it. As Joel and I have talked about, it is the offseason, and I want to try something new this summer, um, just different ways of, of looking at Oklahoma State athletics and, and different perspectives about OSU, especially from people who have been involved in the athletic department in one way or another, which is why I'm very excited to have Michaela Barker, who used to uh, be a student for OSU and work in the athletic department of Oklahoma State and is now currently working as a social media editor for Yahoo Sports. Join the show. Michaela, welcome to the Cowboys Ride for Free podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to talk about my OSU days. I miss Stillwater very much. I think most OSU alumni miss Stillwater once they get away. It's not not it's not school. Like I don't think anybody really misses school. But oh, yeah, there is no. <laughs> something about Stillwater that's just I mean, it's it's really it it just kind of sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like home. That's the best way I know how to describe it. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay, so you were there in Stillwater from 2014 to 2018. Um, mm-hmm. Just for everyone to get an update, kind of what were some of the things that you were involved in while at OSU in the athletic department? Yeah. Um, so my junior and senior year, I was a communications intern in the SID office. My junior year, I did social media and helped out with men's basketball. Um, and then my senior year, I was the SID for the men's tennis team. And I helped with golf um, and a couple other sports occasionally that needed um, assistance with basically whatever they needed. So kind of pad my foot in a little bit of everything. 
I do want to talk about your time as the SID with the men's tennis program. Obviously, you were there. You know, the, the tennis at Oklahoma State has really seen a rise. And I, I know you worked with the men's. The women's has really become a, a top 25 program in the last few years, and the men's program has become a consistent winner as well. Uh, part of that, I think, is due to the upgrade in facilities that they have there in Stillwater. But just from being behind the scenes there with the men's team, what what have you seen that that's kind of helped lead uh, help this program grow to what it's what it's become? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it has to do. I think there are kind of a couple different factors that go into it. I think that a huge part of it is um, coaches. I think that um, Coach Udwadia and um, Coach Young are both amazing, and they know how to recruit, um, and they know how to let like grow and develop their players in a way that makes them successful while they're in college. And then also when they leave and pursue a career or pursue professional tennis or pursue coaching, um, I think that they are good recruiters and know again, how to develop their players. Um, I think that the players at Oklahoma state also have a really good camaraderie with each other. Um, I don't know, like, you can say every team has that, but I think it's really special at Oklahoma State. You know, everyone says, oh, it's like family. You know, like it really is. And even more so on the sports teams where they're traveling across the country, playing and really, you know, learning to play and fight for each other. And then another big thing that goes into that is the facilities. Um, the Greenwoods are amazing, fantastic, extremely generous people. And that facility is top notch. Um, so I think those are kind of your big three factors that go into what has bolstered our tennis program to be what it is now. So I do want to talk about the tennis center for a little bit. The, the Greenwood Tennis Center will be the host for the men's and women's NCAA tennis championships next season, which is which is huge to have those. The last time they were near Stillwater, they were actually in Tulsa. Uh, and that's when the women made it to the final before losing to Stanford was when they was there in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So for the Stillwater, for Stillwater and for the Oklahoma State program, how big do you think it is that they're going to be playing and, and and potentially have a chance if they can make it to that point of the championship and to have that in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it's going to be huge. I think that, you know, tennis, a lot of great tennis teams, I mean, like top 25 teams, I would say mostly have, almost all of them have played in the Greenwood at some point, just because it was, you know, it's such a thing where it's like, oh, like, yeah, we want to play Oklahoma State. We want to see what their, you know, facility looks like. And um, so I think that's huge. I think it puts it on the map. Um, I think that, I mean, every team that comes through that place is like, you know, holy, wow, this place is beautiful and it's amazing, state of the art. Um, It really gives you a great view of all the courts. Um, And the fact that we have the, I mean, the outdoor courts and the indoor courts make it really nice. Obviously, the outdoor courts are great when the weather is nice. Um, So, but I also think us hosting the, you know, national championship will be a big driving factor for our tennis teams next year because, of course, they want to defend their home court. You know, they don't want to see other teams, you know, playing on it and potentially winning a national championship. So I'm really interested to see what our teams um, do next year in terms of getting far enough in the tournament. So, yeah, I also feel like anytime you have facilities like this, you know, part, part of the reason schools are, are upgrading facilities. I know it's a, we talk about it a lot with football, but with mm-hmm. every sport, when you have facilities of the, the level that Oklahoma state does with tennis, like that has an, a big impact on recruiting. So what do you, mm-hmm. what, what do you think the impact of the Greenwood center has, has had for OSU? Oh, I mean, it's, it's massive. I, 
honestly, it put our tennis program on the map and it put us at the level of other great tennis facilities um, and other great programs in the nation. Um, I mean, I'm, I was lucky enough to really get to see, I mean, the, basically the whole thing um, inside and out and know my way around it. And it's, there's no other way to describe it than, I mean, it's a dream to be able to play there. Um, and I think, like I said, that has really helped recruiting because not a lot of other schools have the kind of facilities and support that we have as well um, from fans. So the Greenwood's also great because there's tons of seating for fans. They do a lot of great, um, the marketing department does amazing promotions to get you know people to come out. And obviously our tennis teams are fantastic to watch as well. They're very exciting players to watch. Um, so I think that, you know, the Greenwood has had a really big impact on the tennis program um, just because it's the best in the nation, in my opinion. Um, so I got to go down and see the University of Texas one that they had just built. Um, that one also very nice. Um, I mean, it's, it's different. The, the layout of it is definitely different. Um, and it, but it's also nice. Pretty sure they at one point come up to the Greenwood and I wasn't there when this happened, but had checked it out to kind of gauge like, Oh, like what does theirs look like? You know, what can we do, you know, to make ours? Cause Texas's one was built after Oklahoma state. Um, so I would say that one's really nice. Obviously the USTA campus down in Florida, I believe you might have to fact check that or, potentially cut that if I was incorrect um that that facility obviously is probably one of the best if not the best um I don't know which Florida I think maybe University of Florida has access to it I can't quite remember um but that is actually the Texas one is the only one I got to go visit so but there's the newest I think in the big 12 Kansas might have a new one too I don't think people give Holder enough credit for how much he's done to really invest in the facilities across the board with OSU like this football is king I get it and basketball is is the prince but everything else like as, as an athletic department we were talking this about this on the show um, mm -hmm. last week where it's really nice to have an athletic department that's active all the way through spring and into summer where your teams are still competing when everyone else's have been done since you know February yeah mm -hmm. yeah I mean overall I mean, Holder is amazing in what he has done for our athletic department and everyone that's in, in the athletic department all the way up from Holder all the way, you know, down to where I was as an intern, you know, everyone genuinely cares about Oklahoma State and making it the best place that it can possibly be. Um, you know, this Oklahoma State's not usually just like a, a place where people like come and do a little bit of work and then like go somewhere else. It's a place that you come and you want to invest in because again, I'll bring this up and it sounds cheesy. But, you know, they say, oh, cowboy family, like, no, like everyone from the students to the athletes to, you know, the SIDs to the athletic directors to, you know, the marketing team, everyone, I mean, it's one big family and you're all working towards something together. And that's very evident um, when you work for Oklahoma State or go there. So I do, I, this is going to be a little bit of a broad stroke and I'm, I'm curious if you have any really good stories from your time there in Stillwater. Really good stories. Um, I'm trying to think. <sighs> um, I would say the only this 
it's really tough. There, there's a lot of good, um, a lot of really good memories. I mean, mainly it was just a lot of, you know, meeting with people. Like it was small interactions that I would have with whether it be an athlete or it be somebody in a different department than I was or, you know, um, a game that I was working, um, just little interactions I would have with people who were extremely kind to me as an intern and, you know, had no reason to be like, you know, why would you go and, you know, as a head coach, like, why would you go introduce yourself to the intern? Like, you know, that, you know, they don't play that big of a role in what you're doing. So, um, yeah, just little interactions. Um, Boyton's amazing. He's extremely kind and I am, absolutely thrilled to see what he's going to do with the program I've been a fan of his since he was an assistant coach and I was with the basketball team my junior year I was on the court doing filming something for social media for Twitter and he came up to me and introduced himself when he was an assistant coach um in the year that we had Rod Underwood and was like hi I'm you know coach Mike Boyton so nice to meet you what do you do let me know if you need anything and I was like this guy is really cool and then he gets named head coach and I was like you know what that's a good one like he is a nice guy he's kind and he cares about people genuinely. So I think that's probably one of the coolest stories is to like watch that come up from him, from that small interaction that I had with him, like from probably the exhibition game that we played in God, what was it like 2016 probably. So that's interesting. And I'm, I'm, that leads me to a question of, you know, when, when Boynton was named the head coach, the Mm -hmm. general consensus from the fan base was what? Like, I don't think yeah. anybody even knew who he was or that he had been part of the, the coaching staff when he was named. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a bit of, uh, I think, disappointment because there wasn't a bigger name. People didn't know who he was. I mean, now everyone loves him because we've we've seen who he is and we've we've seen his ability to recruit and his 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 charisma and his personality. But so from from the inside of the athletic department, from the inside of people who are around it, what was mm-hmm. your reaction when he got named as the head coach? Like, what was the general consensus there inside the department? Um, I can't speak for anybody else um, because I was actually on a, I mean, I I think I was like in class or I was on a vacation with my family. I wasn't, I think I might've been on vacation with my family when all this went down. So I was like in the middle of the ocean on a cruise cruise ship somewhere. Um, But when he got named head coach, I was, I mean, I was shocked because like, I mean, nobody really knew what was going to happen, but I was so happy. And I remember all my friends were like, you know, especially as a girl in sports media, all my guy friends were like, oh, this is horrible. Like, who is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And I would get mad at them. And I'd be like, no, like, shut up and listen to me. I promise this guy's awesome. He is nice. Like, he is, he cares about people. He's a good coach. The guys like him. I've seen him in practice. Like, you know, trust me, this is, this is a good one. And, you know, people, of course, didn't want to listen to me. Um, but now everyone's hopped on the uh, – the Boynton bandwagon, as you could say. Um, and, but I'm really happy. I'm really happy for him. And as you know, I think everyone was surprised, but I was like a surprised happy, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. I'll, I'll, we'll come back to OSU in a minute, but I want to, I want to use this as a segue. Mm-hmm. You know, women have a really tough time in sports media. And, and what I mean by that is you have to put up with more nonsense than males do by by far um, i think this is a topic mm-hmm. that has really been brought to light a lot lately um i, I reference back to there sarah uh, sarah spain over at espn has mm-hmm. a podcast and she had an absolutely excellent episode where she brought a lot of other women who were to espn and to talk about the stuff that they have to deal with that mm-hmm. men have no clue about that's just ridiculous 
Um, I, I imagine you as a woman who covers sports um, has had to deal with this your, yourself in, in various ways. Um, yeah. What is what has that been? What has that been like for you? And what do you find the the biggest challenge in that? Yeah, um, it's been interesting. Um, so I started out my sports media journey, uh, you could say, when I was actually in high school. I interned for a radio station um, in Austin, Texas, that covered high school football. Um, and that was really cool. But I definitely heard, even in high school, um, a lot of people be like, oh, like, she's just in it to date athletes or, you know, you don't know anything about sports. Like, you just, like, want to be on camera or, you know, why would you be – why would I listen to a girl talk about sports? You know, that whole kind of thing that people like to put on us. And it was hard for a while. Um, still, even today, I feel like I have to – let like make myself seem qualified or like I have more to prove, um, especially sports knowledge wise, you know, you hear that joke where, you know, I'm like, I'll meet somebody and a guy and they're like, Oh, like you're into sports. Well, like what was the Seahawks assistant running backs coach blood type from 1966? And it's like, (laughs) who, who on earth would know that? Like, why are you, you don't even know that. Like, why would you ask me that? Um, So it's been a lot of trying to prove that I do know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure, you know, I know my other female sports media members would agree that we face a lot of, you know, well, if you know sports and answer this insane sports question that nobody knows the answer to. Um, And now it's it's a joke, you know, amongst all of us. But it's actually when I got to college, it got it got a little better. Um, It kind of became. And maybe either it got better or maybe I started ignoring it. But when I got lucky is when I got to college is when a lot of other females had paved the way for me Um, in a sense of like, you know, Aaron Andrews and Sam Ponder had already kind of, you know, and other people who we don't even know the names of who aren't as famous as they are, um, you know, Doris Burke, like everybody like that had paved the way for us. So it got, I don't want to say it got easier, but it definitely wasn't as hard for me as it was for women and generations above me. Um, and there's a lot of great organizations that provided support and opportunities for me in college. So there's this, the, it's called Association for Women in Sports Media, the abbreviation AWESOME, which it is very awesome. Um, that was a great group that I got involved with that I got to go to Miami and meet um, Leslie Visser and Monica McNutt and a bunch of other Christine Brennan, amazing women in sports media that I still look up to. Katie Nolan was in that group too. Um, so yeah, that was good. And then also just having bosses that, or professors that give, you know, equal opportunities to their male and female students. So with, you know, OSU athletics, when I was interviewing for that, they gave, you know, I will say like they're extremely equal in the way that they treat, um, males and females in the interview process for interns. So that was really cool. Um, And then same at my current job at Yahoo right now, there's like a lot of like my boss's boss, um, our VP of content is a female, which is super cool. Um, So yeah, I think that hopefully sums it up. That was basically a novel that I just said out loud. I don't even remember what the question was, but hopefully that kind of answers it. No, I think that was, that was excellent. It's always driven me crazy. Like I feel like women have to work even harder than anyone else does in this business and not because they don't know it, but because they have mm-hmm. to, men we can say, well, yeah, well not, but not even that. like they, men can just say stupid stuff, whatever. And guys are like, uh-huh. 
And if a woman says anything wrong, like mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's horrible. Like they have, you have to be unfairly accurate and, yes. and have statistics and data to back everything up. Um, guys will ask questions. Are the head of our site is female Micah. And mm-hmm. I mean, she's de- she just dealt with some stuff the other day about like, well, you need to provide data to back up why you believe this. And I'm like, you would never ask a guy that. No one's mm-hmm. going to a guy like, you need to show me the statistics that prove that this is a problem. I'm like, no, no one, they're just going to be like, well, that's dumb. Like that's, that's the response you're going to get for a guy. And I, it's, it makes me have so much respect for not just the women who do it, but the women who are so good at it. Like if you, I'm a huge Rachel Nichols fan. The jump is fantastic. And she is, she is the reason that show exists and is amazing. Forget mm-hmm. all the guests that she has on. She is so good with that show. And I have mm-hmm. nothing but respect for her, for what she does. And it's just, I think it's, it's guys are great in this. Former athletes are great, but I have so much respect for the women who do this job and do this job just exceedingly well. Yes. Yes, it is. There are few, there are very few of us. Um, and it's hard to come by the what like the ones that um, are truly exceptional at their job. It's just all about giving women opportunities to grow and get to a place where they can be exceptional at their job, if that makes sense. So more opportunities for women in sports. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fine. With, hey, look, I would rather have a woman who works twice as hard than a guy just because he played football in college. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care. Like you played it. So you have inside information. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, but also shout out to all the guys on Twitter who always question women in sports. Well, they didn't play football. Yeah. Well, you playing touch football with your three drunk buddies in the backyard isn't really playing football either. So why don't you sit down and calm down? Yeah. I'm going to piss some people off. I don't really care. It's fun. Um, Okay. So we'll get away from the controversial stuff for a minute. Uh, I I want – so you work for Yahoo right now. What is it like working – what is it like working for Yahoo? And specifically, what is it like working in in social media in sports? I, I, You know, it's – it's become a bigger and bigger thing for sports on social media, partially because, you know, sports lends itself to social media perfectly because it's something we're all doing together and it's live. And I think that's where, you know, it's like Twitter really thrives the most during live events. So what is it like working for Yahoo in, in sports on social media? It's amazing. Um, it is so fun. I always say that I am pretty sure I have the most fun job in the, in the world. I mean, that's an exaggeration, obviously, but that's how I feel. I mean, people ask me what a typical day looks like for me. And I'm like, that's a great question because there is not a quote unquote typical day for me ever. Um, I mean, social media is, I mean, it is the platform that you want to host your video. It's the platform that you're promoting podcasts. It's the platform that you're promoting articles. I mean, every single entity of sports content has to live on social media in order to reach the younger audience, which you could count like younger half of millennials and Gen Z. That is where we go for news. That is where we go for information, entertainment, everything. Everything is there. Um, So working for Yahoo has been really cool. Um, Working for a news outlet has definitely been a change of pace. You know, I'm used to, oh, you know, SID, PR, you know, keep everything, you know, clean and happy and good and, you know, positive. Um, and so going over to working for a news outlet has been fun and it definitely was an adjustment for me at first. And I was like, Oh my gosh, 
are we allowed to say that? And they're like, um, yes, we can say that. Like, why would we not? I was like, okay, great. Um, but it's been fun. And I mean, just the, when I started at Yahoo, I mean, it's just been, I've been there for about a year, over a year now. Um, and to see the growth that our social channel has taken. Um, so my boss is actually the, he's the head of social for Yahoo Sports and he's an OSU alum as well. Um, and he hired me, not just because I went to OSU, but OSU students, make sure that you keep in touch with all your alumni connections. Um, and so it, that's been really cool for me to work with him. And like, like basically like he has helped revamp and redo our social media presence in the past year. OSU's social media presence has become really, really good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. always been there, but I've really started to notice it more and more the past year or so, especially with whoever's running women's soccer Twitter account, Bravo, whoever's running the women's tennis account or the women's softball account, Bravo. Like mm-hmm. there is, there just seems someone is letting OSU's social media accounts have more and more personality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And I'm just wondering if you can offer any insight as to like where you were been there recently. So where did yeah. this change start to st- take place and, and kind of who are the people who deserve some, some credit for it? Yeah. I mean, huge shout out to, so softball, I can tell you exactly who that is. It is John Langham. Um, he was the Oklahoma state alum, did undergrad, was an intern like me for junior and senior year of college. And then he was a graduate assistant for the past two years and just graduated with his, um, master's from OSU. And he has had softball for the last two, yeah, two years. And he is, I mean, he does everything. He does everything from video to social, to writing, to game notes. He is a machine and he is extremely good at what he does. Um, he, I've never seen anyone work harder than him, probably like in my whole life. And he was going to, you know, getting his master's at the same time. Um, he had men's tennis actually before I took it um, and not took it, but was given it, I should say. And it, it, <laughs> it was almost impossible to fill his shoes. Um, he is absolutely one of the hardest workers I know and extremely talented at what he does and his craft. So huge shout out to Mr. John Langham. He is the master behind, behind softball. Uh, last question and we'll get you out of here. Um, Women's World Cup is going on right now. Um, yes. While she's unlikely to see the field this year, former Oklahoma State goalie Adriana French is part mm-hmm. of the roster there. Um, and from a lot of the things I've read, had the, the team in the lineup been set later than it was there's a pretty good shot she'd actually be the number two goalie despite the number three she's also the youngest goalie on the roster so there's a very good chance if not this year or the next world cup then four to eight years down the line there's a good chance you'll actually get to see her in the goal for the u.s team mm-hmm. what do you think the impact is for osu's women's soccer to to have her at least even just on the roster oh i mean it's Amazing. So on top of having, once again, that beautiful new soccer facility, having, you know, an Oklahoma State player in, you know, a world spotlight like that is, I mean, it's huge for recruiting. It's, you know, a girl at home being like, oh, like, hmm, like this one's, you know, this player is in college. Like, where does she go to school? Oh, Oklahoma State. Hmm, maybe I should look into, you know, playing or going there. So I think, it's huge, especially like you said, social media, the internet, you can look things up like that now and it's easily accessible. Um, and that's where this younger generation is spending the majority of their time and getting all of their 
um, literal, literally all of their information. So I think that that is huge. And again, that does nothing but help the program along with the beautiful new facility that they have. So Michaela, you have been awesome. I really appreciate you giving, uh, giving us your time today. For those who want to check out the stuff you do for Yahoo or anything you've done in the past, where can they go do so? Yes. Um, you can go to, you can follow at Yahoo Sports on Twitter. Um, we also have NBA, NFL accounts, which you should be able to find in our recent retweets. Um, at Yahoo Sports on Instagram as well. Um, Facebook, you can go there if that's that's your thing, if you're a Facebook kind of person. Um, and if you want to see my work, you can go to my website, which is um Pretty easy. So, yeah. But definitely follow Yahoo Sports. That's number one right there. Big plug. Very good. Very nice. Michaela, I appreciate it again. Uh, enjoy the, the night. And I guess just enjoy the Women's World Cup and, and keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And go USA. Oklahoma State point guard Isaac Likely is one of 18 finalists to make the USA Under-19 team. He's currently in Colorado Springs competing for one of the 12 final spots. He made the cut to the 18 finalists on Tuesday. He's been one of the more impressive guys, and I I know that because I've been following the tweets of Corey Evans from Rivals.com. Corey's joining us today. Uh, welcome to the show. No, absolutely. I, I, okay, so I want to just start here. Uh, you had quite a few good things to say about Likely's performance. Um, what has impressed you the most about him so far? Well, I mean, he's a six foot five, whatever he is listed at, but his size, his versatility, uh, but most of all, just his unselfish demeanor, right? I mean, he, he sees every play in advance. He's always a step ahead. Um, his pinpoint passing skills, his toughness, um, his instincts. There are a lot of intangibles that he boasts that really uh difficult to find. What is it so far? Well, I guess let me ask this. Um, you, you saw him play some at his freshman season there at Oklahoma State. Um, what would you say have been the biggest differences between there and, and now for him? You know, I think – just becoming more comfortable maybe and more confident with the basketball against ball pressure. Um, I think the willingness to, you know, play off those instincts a bit more often. Um, You know, you still want to see him make a jump shot. I know he didn't shoot a great. He shot below 25% from three last year and was a little hesitant to shoot the ball much in Colorado Springs. That was more about because he knew how good he was off the bounce compared to um, the 20-foot-and-out jumper. So that's definitely one thing he has to improve upon. Um, But I think it's more just about his confidence um, with the ball in his hands and his ability to actually facilitate a half-court offense. So let's say he does make the cut of 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 the 12. What role do you think he would have there on the team? Honestly, being a primary playmaker because there are there are a lot of great guards on that team that made the initial cut, um, but most of those guys come in the scoring ilk. Um, now some can play make, some can distribute, but you have guys like Jalen Suggs and Josh Christopher and Jalen Green that 
maybe the, the national public doesn't know much about, but they're rising seniors in high school, but they're tremendous scoring guard talents. And their first move is to score, not to play make. So you have Isaac, who is kind of a reversal, who is more about creating brothers first. And you put a ball in his hands first. I think that's what the coach wants. That's what the coach has the most trust in. Let's say likely does make the 12-man roster. He'd be the third Cowboy to do so since 2013. Juwan Evans did. Marcus Smart did. How big of an impact do you think it could have for Oklahoma State if he does make the 12-man roster? In perception-wise, optics-wise, it's, it's, it's tremendous, right? I mean, you have um, a member of Oklahoma State basketball. I mean, he'll be maybe four or five college guys on that team um, on the top um, – United States basketball team below the senior national team. Um, that's just a, it's a great recruiting tool, right? Um, for Mike Boynton and his staff to use and say, Hey, there's a guy that was little to zero recruited out of high school that we got into our system that we developed, um, that has gotten better and is now, you know, on a potential goal winning under-19 USA basketball program. And on the recruiting front, it's all about recruiting, right, and how to use that to, to your betterment. And they'll definitely find a way to make <laughs> to make that for the better. So since we're talking recruiting, there's one other guy there in Colorado Springs I want to ask you about. That would be uh, five-star point guard Cade Cunningham, who is in the 2020 class. Um a lot of people right now, you yourself included, seem to think that there's a very good chance he lands at Oklahoma State. Um, where do you think he is at this point in his recruitment, and, and where is OSU in that? Yeah, first off, you know, so we discussed that. Um, we discussed, I talked with Cade about three or four days ago and put out a, a giant Q&A with him um, and pretty much said, you know, he Put out top ten right last week or two weeks ago, and throughout the past two years, he always laughed about guys putting out top tens and said, "Like, what are you doing, man?" And now he's in those shoes and he released top ten, and he kind of laughed about it. So he definitely wants to narrow that down a little bit to a top five, maybe in the next few weeks. Um, I would predict maybe before Nike Peach Jam, um, July tenth or shortly thereafter. Um, and then he said he wants to take visits during the fall, during midnight madnesses, during football games, and likely decide um, in the fall and commit and sign in the early signing period. Well, I was going to say, how much does having him and likely both in this spot together kind of impact that recruiting? Yeah, interesting, right? Like they're similar, right? They're they're giant, giant guards, um, six five, six six, six seven, that can handle the basketball and are our best with the ball in their hands. Um, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but Isaac has a chance to, if he can improve his jump shot from here until next March, to be a dark horse, two-and-done prospect from Oklahoma State. Um, but even if he is there, you know, I think a guy like Cade and Isaac, there is a bond there already. They, they know each other from their upbringing. Um and I think both are kind of built in a similar way. They just want to play with the best ball players out there, best talent out there. And they'll reconfigure their games if they have to. So I don't really think it's that big of a dilemma, honestly, with a guy like Isaac 
and or Cade. Um, you know, and circling back around, I think Oklahoma State, no one's recruited Cade harder or longer. Um, you know, Cade will be the first one to tell you. Cade was not that elite top five, top four. You know, we have number two in America, that kind of guy a year ago. He was getting to that point. But before he had that national elite emergence, Oklahoma State was the first one in there. You know, Mike Boynton was the first coach as an assistant to offer Cade at a power conference program. That's big with Cade. He's a very, very loyal, mature, um, forward-thinking person and kid. And no one's recruited Cade or developed a better relationship and rapport with Cade and his family than Mike. So they have not budged much. They've tried to build the entire program around him in a way that Oklahoma did with Trey Young in a similar manner. And I think that weighs on Cade's mind. So I want to make have you make a prediction, and not about Cade, but about, about Isaac, just to wrap things up. Um, do you think Isaac makes the final 12-man roster when it's announced? I do. Uh, I know there's, I don't want to say politics, you know, but there's always some guys that um, have a better chance going in than others. Um, but I don't think anyone else has had a better four- or five-day stretch in Colorado Springs than Isaac. Uh, Isaac Likely. Uh, I think he really opened a lot of guys' eyes, media included, coaches included, about his all-encompassing abilities and his toughness, his intangibles, his leadership qualities. I'll tell you what, the two most vocal people, ball players in Colorado Springs were Isaac and Kay Cunningham. And I think you can't really get rid of this intangible leadership guys. And the fact they're backing it up um, on the floor just kind of supports their case or Isaac's case for making that final 12, which is why I think he makes it. Corey, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, for everybody who wants to follow all the awesome work you do covering college basketball and, and recruiting specifically, uh, where can they do so? They can do it at uh, Corey Evans underscore 10 on Twitter and, of course, at Rivals.com. Corey, again, really appreciate it, man. This is this is awesome, and uh, just keep up the good work. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys having me, as always. 